I'm Robert Howard with Robert Howard Angus in Henrietta, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a South Texas cattleman testified before a congressional subcommittee last week on the damage illegal immigration is causing to his cattle operation. We'll have more on his testimony coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. If you're a farmer, it's quite likely that someone is going to offer you a carbon contract. Before proceeding with such an arrangement, there are some important things to consider. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Range and pasture conditions in Texas continue to suffer in the extreme heat and drought, with 48% of the range and pasture land either rated poor or very poor. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more details coming up next on Texas Ag Today. It is still hot and dry in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. South Texas cattleman J.R. Ramirez testified before a congressional subcommittee last week giving testimony on the damage that illegal immigration is causing to his ranch in Zapata County. Illegal immigration and lack of border security have changed ranching as we know it. Damaged fences and gates, high-speed chases, break-ins, stolen vehicles, and trespassing are daily occurrences. Ranchers like me on the front lines are bearing financial burdens that are threatening our ability to operate profitable businesses. In the last 12 months, our ranch has had 30 documented cases of our fences or gates being breached by a vehicle. The least damaging of those cases cost our operation $1,000, while other incidents have surpassed 10,000 in damages. And the expenses get even higher when the cattle get out and have to be rounded up, sometimes by helicopter. He told the committee there's also delays in breeding, heightened risk for disease outbreaks, and difficulty with grazing management. And there are other damages. Plastic bottles, jugs, cans, backpacks, clothing, shoes, coats, and trash litter our property. I cannot clearly describe the amount of trash that now covers South Texas ranches. These materials will take hundreds of years to decompose and has led to cattle loss as some items can be consumed and cause digestive failure in cattle. This is a long-term defacement of beautiful South Texas rangelands that will never be the same. Ranchers shoulder the burden of this financial loss. Ramirez called on Congress to do better for ranchers, families, and citizens paying the price for an unsecure border. He was testifying on behalf of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. 
The outlook for Texas pork producers for the rest of the year is not that bright. A combination of factors has led to a cloudy economic forecast for U.S. pork producers for the rest of the year. According to CoBank, elevated operating costs and depressed hog values are limiting pork raisers' returns and overall industry growth. They say hog prices have risen this summer, but they have not kept up with rising feed, labor, construction, and other costs. Soft domestic demand for pork and a murky outlook for U.S. pork exports compound those challenges. CoBank says if retail pork prices return to a normal level, that should help domestic demand recover. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. The condition of the Texas cotton crop continues to decline. In the latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report, 24% of the Texas crop is rated good to excellent, 36% rated fair, and a whopping 40% of the Texas cotton crop rated poor to very poor. If you're a farmer, it's likely that someone is going to offer you a carbon contract. James Hunt tells us there are some important things to consider before you sign one. It's become pretty common for farmers here in the Texas High Plains and across the country to be offered carbon contracts. Those are arrangements where companies offer to pay producers to adopt certain carbon-friendly practices like no-till farming or planting cover crops. These offers are still kind of new to the agriculture world, and before entering into such a contract, producers are advised to be cautious. Tiffany Dowell-Lashmet is the agricultural law specialist for Texas A&M AgriLife. These carbon contracts really are a different beast. There's a lot of very unique terminology. There's a lot of unique terms included in the contract you really have to be aware of. So, Lashmet says, if you're considering such a contract, make sure you really understand what it says, especially when it comes to how payments will be calculated. This is something I think people misunderstand often. For example, Generally speaking, I'll just give you a range of, let's say, 18 to $20 per metric ton of carbon stored is probably a fair going rate right now. Okay, so 18 to $20 per metric ton of carbon stored. A lot of producers will quote that back to me as 18 to $20 an acre. And those are two very different things. Lashman also says producers would be wise to get an understanding of how much carbon their land can actually generate. Because if we're measuring this based on a ton of carbon, but you're in an area like the Panhandle where they're telling me it's more likely on average you can only store about 0.1 tons of carbon a year. Well, now all of a sudden $20 just went to $2, right, based on that storage potential. We'll hear more from Tiffany Dow-Lashmet of AgriLife about carbon contracts tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Range and pasture conditions across Texas are suffering due to the heat and drought. Tom Nicoletti has more. In looking at the latest Texas drought monitor, an estimated population of more than 14,618,000 people living in the state of Texas are under some sort of drought at this time. All of Kendall County in the Hill Country is rated as exceptional in the drought category. Portions of Kerr and Gillespie counties are in the exceptional drought intensity category. From there, a comma-shaped region from the Hill Country northward into portions of Central Texas are rated as extreme drought. Beyond those regions, severe drought, moderate drought, and abnormally dry intensities can be seen through the southern two-thirds of Texas. The only regions at this time that are in good shape are basically in northeast Texas and from the southern plains up 
through the panhandle. Now to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Texas Livestock Range and Pasture Condition Report. Supplemental feeding of livestock is still occurring in the southern high plains, southern Texas, south-central Texas, the Blacklands, and the lower Rio Grande Valley. Grasshopper infestations continue in the southern low plains, southern east Texas, and the cross timbers. In looking at those range and pasture conditions, 48% are either in the good or fair category, with 29% rated fair, 19% rated good. 48% of the pastures and rangeland across the state also in poor to very poor condition, and that split down the middle, 24% poor, 24% very poor. Only 4% of ranges and pastures across the state are considered in excellent condition. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's still hot and dry in central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Daytime temperatures remain above 100 degrees. Uh, We've had a, a cold front blow through this past week, and it only got up to in the 90s, but it still felt pretty hot outside. Not a lot of soil moisture, no deep soil moisture to speak of. Big cracks are in the ground. If you get out in any hay fields or, or plowed fields, you're definitely going to see cracks in the ground. Corn harvest continues and will for the next couple of weeks. Corn yields vary depending on the field. And if you were lucky enough to catch one of those passing showers back in April and May, then uh, you made some good corn. Corn yields are going to vary anywhere from 40 bushels to as high as 185 bushels. The problem is those yields vary, probably going to be in the same field. It's just that scattered out across the Central Texas Blackland region. As you go north of McLennan County, they're just really getting started good with corn harvest. And as you go south of McLennan County, they're much more uh, involved in corn harvest and further along. Grain sorghum harvest is starting here in the Central Texas area. Yields are fairly good depending on where you are in rainfall. I'm hearing everything from 3,500 pounds an acre up to 6,000 pounds an acre. Again, it just depends on if you're lucky enough to catch that rain. A lot of hay that has been cut in Central Texas is drying out quickly and they're bailing it, putting it up. Hay prices remain strong due to a quit rain in uh, end of May and just hadn't rained since then. Now there's going to be a lot of people with get a third cutting. Some will. Just depends on if we get another rain. I've heard of a few hay producers that are watering, irrigating uh, out of the Brazos that are, that are going to get a fourth cutting. And again, hay prices are going to remain somewhat elevated due to just lack of overall moisture. Depending on where you are in the Central Texas region, you might be about two inches below your normal rainfall from January 1 to now. And you could be six to eight inches below our normal rainfall. Uh, for most people, rain did stop about May 26. Just haven't really received much since then. Uh, I do look for the corn harvest to continue to be sporadic and, and kind of crazy on the yields, just depending on if you are lucky enough to catch the rain. Looking forward to some cooler months. Might be September before we see that. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McLellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has implemented chronic wasting disease emergency rules. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more on that coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's common for horses to develop lacerations on the backside of the pastern. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's common for horses to develop lacerations on the backside of the pastern. Dr. Bob Judd says these wounds can be hard to treat. Wounds on the backside of the pastern, which is called the palmer surface on the front legs and plantar surface on the back legs, are extremely common. If the horse gets caught in barbed wire, the wire slides down to the pastern and then causes a laceration or cut on the backside of the pastern as the horse flexes the pastern. The pastern is the area between the hoof and fetlock. There are multiple concerns with wounds in these areas as it is possible the coffin joint, navicular bursa, or flexor tendon sheath could be involved. And wounds in these areas are extremely serious and sometimes deadly if infection develops. Wounds in this area and most wounds on the lower legs need to be examined by your veterinarian to make sure none of these structures are involved. If none are involved and the wound is fresh, the wound can be sutured as it will heal quicker. If the wound is older than about 12 hours, likely contamination may prevent suturing. But the problem in healing these wounds is that every time the horse takes a step, the wound opens and closes. This delays healing and allows proud flesh to develop in the wound, which prevents healing. I have sutured these wounds and bandaged them with a thick bandage over the years, and they will not heal correctly even with suturing as the wound is moving so much that the sutures pull out. Almost all of these wounds require a foot cast to heal correctly. This cast prevents movement and allows the wound to heal. Of course, your vet has to make sure no synovial structures are involved before placing the cast or infection can be trapped under the cast. The cast can usually be removed in three weeks and the wound will usually be healing very well. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has implemented emergency rules to address chronic wasting disease. Jessica Domel has more on these rules in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has adopted an emergency rule regarding the movement of deer from breeding facilities in Texas. John Solofsky, director of TPWD's Wildlife Division, joins us with more. This was an enhancement and a slight change to existing rules. So very simply, emergency rules require all breeder deer to be tested for CWD with a test result of not detected prior to transfer to another breeding facility. We have a very similar identical rule in place for them to transfer deer to a release site. But as we continue to see an increase in the number of positive breeding facilities, we thought some additional enhancement, basically additional surveillance of deer moving breeder to breeder was important for us to help try and contain that disease. The second aspect of the emergency rule was just clarification that expressly prohibits the removal of identification tags that are prescribed already by rule for breeders. So, when you know, the deer is born in the facility, at some point in time, they have to tag it with a unique ID number. And so, when those deer then subsequently go to a release site, this emergency rule is specifying that those tags must stay in place upon release. 
but can't be removed. In 2023, chronic wasting disease has been found in nine deer breeding facilities in seven counties. A total of 14 counties have had positive detections since March of 2021. Solovsky said it is the department's hope that the emergency rules will reduce the number of CWD positive detections across the state. The rules will remain in effect for 120 days, but may be extended an additional 60 days. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Monday, while the grain markets took a big drop. We'll look at all of Monday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work from my desk on my way to work in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Monday. That's how we closed it out, with live cattle closing mostly lower, feeder cattle mostly higher. August live cattle down 10 cents, closing at 178.05. The October down 7, 179.52, with December live cattle down 20 cents, 183.40. Feeder cattle steady to higher, August unchanged, 245.60. September feeders up 22 at 249.20. October up 2 cents, 251.02. Cash-fed cattle trade saw light volumes last week. We ended up seeing some sales here in the Southern Plains at 179. That is a buck lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up 6 cents, 30206. Select up 242 at 279.96. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. My friend and client Jody Fry from Producers and Cargill San Angelo had a great sale this week. Jody, how did Thursday turn out for you? Went real good. Had more cattle than we've been running, 1,230 head. Uh, would note that over 300 of those was a partial herd dispersal. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 185 all up to a high of near 270, mostly 210 to 235. Heifer calves, four to 600 pounds from 170 to high of 240, mostly 195 to 225. Slaughtered cows, average to high yielding from 82 to 98. Several of the highest yielding slaughtered cows from 99 all the way up to a high of 115 had one outstanding slaughtered cow. I believe she brought a dollar 20. Then are very low yielding cows, some of those from 60 to 78. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 93 to 117. Several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls, 118 to 134. Cow pairs, several gates of those average quality pairs we're talking about. Solid mouth crossbred cows, pretty good calves inside. They traded anywhere from 1225 to a high of 1775. What do you know for next week? Oh, I guess more of the same on the sheep and goats. Uh, I would say at least 6,000 or more. Uh, look for that uh, thing to continue. The goat deal actually improved a little bit, so 
Uh, look for steady numbers there. Uh, cattle numbers probably back off a little bit next week. Uh, I'd be guessing somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to 900. Tell everybody how to contact you. 325-653-3371. That'll get us there at the office. Mobile phone would be 234-7895. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pens here each Monday through Friday on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Arlene Hogs finished higher on Monday's trade. August Hogs up 92 cents, 104.12. The October up 97 at $86 even. Class 3 milk steady to higher. July milk unchanged at 1381 100 weight. August milk up 43 at 1769 100. Cotton market closed slightly higher in a quiet two-sided trade, wrapping up the trading month on Monday. We closed out with a nearby lightly traded October up 38 points, 85.44. The December was up 46 to close at 84.72. Grain markets saw some big pressures dropping sharply on Monday, mainly because of the weather forecast. The seven-day outlook for the Corn Belt calls for rains across much of the Corn Belt. And if you look on out into the 14-day forecast, rain is there as well. So that caused the corn market to put the brakes on and head lower. September corn dropped 17 cents, 504 a bushel. December corn down 17 and a quarter at 513. Even bigger drop in the wheat market. Rain, one of the culprits there as well. Rain in the forecast for the Pacific Northwest and the Northwestern Plains over the next two weeks caused a bit of a sell-off in both hard and soft wheat on Monday. September Kansas City wheat down 43 and a half at 812 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat down 38 and a half, 665 and three quarters. In the energy markets, September natural gas was unchanged at 263. September West Texas crude up a dollar 31, 81, 89 a barrel. Not much movement in the financial markets Monday afternoon. The Dow was up only five points, 35,465. The NASDAQ up two at 14,319, while the S&P was down three points at 4,578. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.